EMS One Academy is the leading way in high-quality, affordable training for EMTs and paramedics nationwide. Your department can take advantage of more than 150 full-length training courses and 225 hours of EMS continuing education in a robust learning management system. Training is accredited by the Commission on Accreditation of Pre-Hospital Continuing Education. Administrative features include group administration, credential management, custom course creation, assignments, offline training tracking, and more, all customized to meet the needs of the EMS training officers. To schedule a free demo, go to ems1academy.com. It is now time to go inside EMS. I'm Chris. He's Kelly. I got to tell you, man, summer is kicking off, and there is no better person that I want to spend my summer with. Well, she's not available, so it'll have to be Kelly Grayson. Kelly, come on in here. <laughs> How are I'm, you doing, man? You're just, just fresh good, off the man. Louisiana State Conference? Fresh off the Louisiana State Conference. Wrapped it up uh, um, Saturday evening. Uh, came home, and uh, I was back home briefly for a after a two-week stretch on the road, and I leave for Colorado in the morning. Oh, awesome. Uh, somewhere in the, mid- in the midst of that, I managed to go get my jet ski out of the shop, so I'm going to be out on the water as soon as possible. That thing has been in the shop, uh, I think, I've, more I've than it's been that. in the driveway. No, it, it, I've, uh, there, I can't find anyone to work on a jet ski around here. E- even the Kawasaki dealerships don't, uh, don't work on them. Yeah. So. I, I struggled to find someone, and one guy gave me the runaround for the better part of two months, uh, and I finally found someone to fix it. And, and uh, what was wrong with it wasn't what I thought. So, but he was reasonable, and he he's got it running. So I'm gonna be cutting up here in a, in a day or two. We're well, gonna need to take some GoPro of that so we can uh, use that. But you know oh, what yeah, I really, man. you know what yeah. I really enjoyed about the Louisiana State Conference. What's that? That you didn't invite me down to come talk. <laughs> That's how do I know what I liked about it? Because I wasn't one of the people well, you let come down there and talk well, to your folks. Well, man, there's a simple explanation for that. There's a simple explanation for why you were not invited this year. Because we had Dan Limmer, Rom Duckworth, Brian Bledsoe, Ken Bouvier, and me all speaking at the same conference on the same days. To add Chris Sebelaire to that mix would have just been an overload of awesome. The conference would have collapsed into a black hole, and, and you'd have never heard from any of us again. We'd have just collapsed into a black hole of awesome. So we're trying to we're trying to kind of Moderate spread it. out the yeah. awesomeness a little bit and put you down next year, and you'll be our foundation for awesome next year. How'd that be? I think that'll be fine. i got to tell you what, man. I mean, you have a Ph.D. in BS right there. You are the, the doctor of BS. So. You know, Kelly, uh, you know, that, a lot of things were happening this week. And, yeah. you know, there is uh, a, a few weeks ago, there was a big discussion about a United Airlines flight where a, a passenger needed to come off the plane. He didn't want to give up his seat. And then there were some challenges where they actually drug him off the plane. And, you know, all the jokes started to come out. I'm going to take the black guy from uh, California and, you know, all the, the jokes that came from that. But recently there was another... Mm-hmm. There was another uh, incident on a plane that really had to deal with EMS and how they were handling mm-hmm. a call. And I'm going to kind of kick it to you to kind of introduce the topic. But, but I think that one of the things that we need to think about is how are we going to handle ourselves in these situations? But go ahead and lay out the topic for everyone today so we can get to going on it. 
Well, this this appeared June thirteenth, uh, just just yesterday, um, picked up by the Associated Press uh, out of Minneapolis. Uh, a woman uh, apparently went into cardiac arrest in the plane bathroom uh, at uh, Twin Cities Minneapolis St. Paul International Airport, uh, and they uh, discovered that she was in the bathroom and called EMS, and and uh, they arrived and and got her off the plane, and one of the uh, one of the onlookers, one of the the other passengers on the plane, uh, said that she was um, she was partially clothed uh, or nude from the from the waist down, and it was totally inappropriate to move her from the uh, airplane, uh, thus uh, scantily attired. So, a um, bunch of people weighing in on it, and and like any like anything else, uh, there's two sides to the story, uh, or three sides to the story, um, and the truth somewhere in the middle. Um, but uh, you know, it's been interesting to see the the focus on this and the and the firestorm it created on social media on defending or or condemning uh, this EMS crew's actions. And I'd like to know what you think about the deal. Um, supposedly, this guy says that the uh, the EMT should have covered her um, before they took her out. Uh, there are other passengers passengers that directly refute his account, but. Uh, I think it's a good example of everybody is watching. There, we are not operating in a vacuum, and no matter what we do, other people are going to have their own often misinformed interpretations uh, on on how we're doing our job. Uh, you, as an EMS manager, how do you approach that sort of thing with your crews? Yeah, well, get them ready for that. Yeah, I think there's a couple things that we should focus on here today. First off, is how do we handle patients in maybe these high traffic areas or how do we handle patients? You know, not everyone is going to be taking uh, individuals off an airplane, but maybe off a bus or maybe off a train or maybe mm-hmm. out of a, you know, something like that. So I think I want to th- think about maybe focusing on how do we do our business in that high traffic area, the, the mall, a restaurant, something like that. Yeah. But secondarily, I think the focus as well for this show, Kelly, we, we need to talk about, the 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 videos we need to talk about people are now filming everything we need to talk about that how how are we conducting ourselves with professionalism with with you know dedication and this is really now starting to become the issue of the present day that we're in you know anytime there's a an ambulance that stops at an accident scene uh, you have just as many uh, cell phone videos that are going to be taken mm-hmm. of that and we've talked about this before that these folks have a right to film these folks have a mm-hmm. right to you know to kind of get that uh, that footage but i don't know that as a career field we're we're allowing that to sink in and we're really kind of uh being cognizant that that could be happening so you talk about as an ems leader how do i want to you know talk to my folks about it i used to say something to them all the time don't say anything that you want you wouldn't want to see in print and don't do anything mm-hmm. you wouldn't want to see on the news. And I think that that was one of the things that they had to really, really be aware of. You know, when the Ferguson thing happened, the very first day, I got on scene three hours after the initial shooting, and my folks were already there. And when I got to them and they were in a circle, there was some anxiety and there was some worry. But as EMS normally does, these folks were had smiles on their faces and they were, you know, kind of giggling and laughing with each other and trying to make light of the situation. And very quickly I said to them, there's no smiles in this situation. Even though we know what we're doing, 
other people don't. And they're going to go ahead and misconstrue that. And those news cameras are going to go ahead and take a picture and they're going to put it online and people are going to make fun of you. And this was right off. Mm -hmm. And you and I talked about this, Kelly. This happened just a few shows before where we talked about that EMT that went up to the car, the truck uh, MVA, and mm-hmm. he was laughing with the um, whether it was the fireman or whether it was the patient, mm-hmm. and they had a big thing about that. So that's kind of where my my mind yeah. went as soon as I saw that. But are we really? I think the first area of conversation, for your opinion, are we really working in that? I don't know that glass case that we need to be aware of. Do we really know that we can be on TV at any minute for anything that we're doing in that ambulance? Uh, no, I, I don't think we, we still consider that uh, on a regular basis. Uh, I think that most EMS providers have, have not yet internalized that truth that uh, we're working in a bubble and everyone is watching. And, and we sign up to do the job because we want to help people. Uh, we want to work on people. And, and the, the PR and the, and the public perception is something that our manager is supposed to handle. Um, none of us or very few of us signed up wanting to be a role model. We wanted to be a caregiver and we, we didn't want to speak for the entire EMS profession. Uh, we just want to take care of patients. Uh, and when it hit the news, that crew represented all of EMS and and that's an awesome responsibility. We have to be prepared for it. Uh, it's, it's simple in, in, uh, concept, but difficult in execution It's don't be a douche in public. That's it. Plain and simple. The problem is that sometimes the things that we do may look like being a douche to other people, uh, and for us it's natural. Uh, so we have to have to be cognizant of how our actions are perceived by others. Uh, there were some plenty of there was plenty of debate about this in social media on whether these guys did the right thing or the wrong thing, and and on both sides. Uh, but uh, I doubt they got on that that uh, plane. Uh, with the idea that, that this was going to become a national news story and their actions were going to be scrutinized by millions of people across the country. Uh, but there we are. Um, you know, how, to, how would I handle that? I have no idea. I have my ideas how I would go about it. Uh, but, um, well, I think you know, I'm, things- looking at it, I'm looking at it from high, with the benefit of hindsight. What exactly. would I have done in that situation? Um, I do think, however, the people that defend them and say, now I'm not saying they did anything wrong because there's another passenger on the plane that directly refuted this guy. So uh, whether his account is is accurate remains to be seen. But if they did, let's just say if they did uh, pull this woman off the uh, off the plane uh, naked from the waist down in front of 150 passengers, um, one school of thought says, "Hey, you got to get CPR going." Uh, every delay means means a, a chance that she will not be successfully resuscitated. Yet another uh, school of thought, and the one I adhere to is, is it does not take one bit longer and one extra bit of effort to do your job with compassion and preserve the patient's dignity. Uh, there are ways to have handled that that would not have delayed her care in any way, shape, or form. Right. Uh, they did not do that. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't care about that. That just means that they didn't do that. It may not have occurred to them. May have, uh, but but nonetheless, to Art Endress of Dallas, Texas, uh, it, it looked bad to him, and and that's all, and that's all it needs to to gain a little traction in the media. 
Right. I mean, that, that term perception is reality, regardless of uh, what that reality is. That's Nancy's favorite thing. Perception. Her favorite saying is perception is reality. I hear it all the time. Yeah. But I think acceptance is teaching is the other one. She's she's fond of, you know, I think that, (laughs) yeah, I'll refute that one, but I think that the thing that, you know, you have to think about here is, you know, you said the key word hindsight is 2020. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can't be an armchair quarterback to say what was done, what wasn't done. But I think the thing that I want to focus on before how do we handle ourselves in these high traffic areas is we really have to come to the realization that any time that we're on a call, any time that we're parked on the street corner. I mean, how many times have we seen the people on, on social media who have gone up to the ambulance because the paramedic was sleeping in the front seat? Or have you ever seen the one where the mm-hmm. where the the guy accosts the fire department because they're in the, they're the grocery groceries, store yeah. uh, getting their staples for their 24-hour shift and, and gives them a hard time for being in the grocery store. So, uh, you know, when I think about, you know, these situations, I don't know that as a career field, we're taking the due diligence to know that we are in the public eye, we are part of public trust, and we have to be able to know that any little thing that we do is going to be scrutinized, and we should accept that. But I think what that means is, Kelly, when you aren't aren't an airplane with 150 people, you do take that time to worry about a patient's modesty. And, yeah, yeah, time is muscle, man. we got to get to pushing on the chest. But you're not going to do that as you're going down the aisle. It's not like you can stand on a stretcher and do CPR or, or, you know, mount the patient and, and, you know, kind of do CPR, uh, um, straddled across their hips, as I've seen some people do, which I don't know that Mm -hmm. I like. But, you know, in this... You never never code surfed back in the day, Chris? Come on, man. I never... never Ever. Never code surf? Ever. I've stood on the side well, of the am I've stood on the side of the stretcher, which was just as idiotic. Yeah. But well, see, no, I was no. I was thin enough at one time to do that. You may never have been that thin. So now you're just carrying the stretcher <laughs> in. That's how manly you are. But I think that one of the things, Kelly, when you think about and we, we're not here to point fingers, we're not here to say it happened, it didn't happen. But I think in these high traffic areas now, does a lack of compassion come into play when we don't take a patient's modesty into consideration because we all we've been taught that right i mean as soon as we start the trauma trips trauma strip somebody you know we got to worry about keeping them covered and and maintaining their modesty is it just a oversight due to whether it's compassion or whether you're just being tunnel vision on the treatment you're trying to uh, work out i i I don't I would hesitate to characterize it as lack of compassion. I, I know very few people who entered into EMS that didn't have at least some degree of compassion. Now, a great deal of them, we recruit them for the wrong reason because they're adrenaline junkies. And, and we're, you know, patients are, are interesting puzzles to work on and get your adrenaline rush, but they're not people. Um, and I've, I've reiterated that stance uh, ad nauseum throughout this podcast, but um, I, I don't I would hesitate to say this was a lack of compassion on their part. It's just if EMTs are, if nothing else, we are direct people. Um, and and sometimes when we're in the heat of the moment and we're we're trying to, to save a life, trying to get a patient out of a bad situation, get them where we can where we can work on them, uh, we tend to bark orders and we tend to do things the most direct way. And if feelings get bruised and dignity gets uh, 
damaged a little bit along the way, well, that's that's a a, a, a hit we're willing to take. Um, I just I think that most people are in that mindset. But what they don't realize is they don't have to be on that mindset. You can still do those things, the, the things that we need to do expeditiously uh, and, and and smoothly without having to uh, to sacrifice a patient's dignity or or, or, or shelve your compassion. Um, so why does that occur? But then? none I mean, of so us have it's been, not a very few of us have been taught how. That's the problem. Well, I mean, so uh, how do you we, go we, about We don't it, have then? those tools. So now how you're, I go about it? You, you always talk to me about... Uh, you're an EMS leader. What do you think about mm-hmm. blah blah blah? So now you you've seen this from paramedics. You've seen the uh, um, maybe the let's you don't want to call it a lack of compassion. Let's go ahead and call it the forgetfulness. Let's go ahead and call it tunnel vision. Okay. Let's go ahead and call it whatever it is. How do you get to a place where if if that was your mom, if that was your wife, if that was your whoever? that we just don't think about that we've got to keep their modesty as we're now taking them through the public to get them to the ambulance mm-hmm. or into the hospital. Well, How many times? I mean, it's oh, just yeah. made me crazy where you see people who are, who are literally almost naked being Night brought down, into the... up around their hips and no blanket Jesus, on them, no, gosh, that no just sheet, makes yeah. me crazy. Yeah, and, and you know something? I have been guilty of that. Um, yeah, but you were but on a date when that happened. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, one day I drink a little too much, and I wind up on a stretcher with my nightgown pushed up around my hips. I'm sorry, it won't happen again. Okay, good. Uh, but uh, no, I, I've I've been that EMT that that uh, messed up in that regard, um, and it could be something as simple as you know I'm not looking behind me, and and the straps weren't over the sheet, and the wind blew the sheet off of someone, and I didn't realize it until I've walked three or four steps, and and everyone has, so has seen my patient's business. You no, know, it wasn't on my purpose, but the point being, even though it wasn't on purpose, it still happened, and it wouldn't take wouldn't have taken me any longer to buckle the strap on top of the sheet rather than underneath it. That's just something I didn't think about, and and it it embarrassed the heck out of a patient, and it will probably happen again. But it does just because uh, it wasn't intentional doesn't mean that it doesn't have consequences. You know, most of these situations where you see people filming on scene, bystanders filming, I think. My theory is that people just desperately want to be a part of something, and and if they can record this uh, and share it with their friends and their social media network, whatever, that's their way of being a part of the action. There's a simple way to make someone a part of the action while still preserving your patient's dignity and 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 uh, their privacy. Um, if you see that guy with with a cell phone, um, or you see people standing around gawking. Um, Enlist their aid. Say, guys, I need your help here. I want you all to form a circle and circle around this patient. Let's protect her privacy and face outward while we're working on her and make sure that nobody films us. I can't help but believe that in most people have the innate decency to, to realize that that, that was, would be the right thing to do. And they get to become involved. They they get to become a part of the event, which is why they were filming in the first place. So they have vicariously be part of the event. Uh, had I gotten on that plane, uh, I'd have you know when I stepped on the plane, I'd, I'd be like, "Yes, flight attendant. Oh, lady unresponsive in the bathroom. Follow me to the back with a blanket." And as soon as I got that pay- lady out of the stall and onto that canvas litter, I would uh, I would shout out to the to the uh, uh, passengers, 
hey, everybody, I need your help here. We have a very sick lady on the plane. We need her to get her off immediately. Uh, and it's not going to be easy to do. I ask that you help us in preserving her dignity and her privacy by averting your eyes as we approach up the aisle. Please, uh, please respect this woman's privacy. And I would repeat that all the way up the aisle. That way, if some jerk gets her on camera and, and gets the uh, flash a, a video over, over naughty bits uh, on YouTube, he's also got my voice telling him not to be a douchebag. And that sort of thing either gets posted by people who don't care that the rest of the world sees them as a douchebag or it doesn't get posted simply because it makes him look bad for filming it. Uh, yeah. That's so, the way I would have approached that situation as I came up the plane. Enlist the passenger's aid. They get to feel like they've done something and, and they've done their good deed for the day. Um, and and you, uh, it doesn't take any longer to do that for the patient. You know, I think that one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, the <clears throat> the the person who's filming who just wants to be part you said you know try to elicit their help elicit their help i think one of the things that i would do is is just make sure that i did my job better and cleaner than the next guy exactly and, and if you're doing your job better and cleaner than the next guy on every single call now there's no let, story let's, there let's get to, let's get to the bottom line here man a lot of the things we do become monotonous a lot of the things we become that we mm-hmm. do become ho-hum they become mundane they become downright boring but every time you punch that card and you get in that ambulance you are now being filmed and you have to start to think about it that way that when you go into somebody's home you're taking your equipment and you're moving in earnest to get into that home even if it's a bs call you need to be able to be seen that you're doing your job better and cleaner than the next guy if you're going into a high traffic area a mall a restaurant uh, a plane a whatever it is you need to know that you're going to be able, you're going to be filmed and you need to be able to be that role model for our career field. And you know, these folks up in Minnesota didn't know they were going to be on TV. No. Certainly the 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 people in any other uh tragedy don't know that they're going to be on TV, but we got to stop thinking that and instead start thinking that we're always going to be on TV. And I think yeah, that, we, that that works with a lot of different things. When it comes mm-hmm. to this particular incident of 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 being on the plane, uh, you know, I like where you said I'm announcing this, uh, so on. I, I think that's good. I think that's a good practice. I don't know that I'm doing that. Reason I'm not doing it is because I'm going to make sure that her, her modesty is taken into account. Well, I, don't I would cover this, up with a blanket as well. Yeah, know, I don't know how this canvas stretcher things work. I'm just thinking it's one of those stretchers that have the handles on it, right? That yeah, it's a, it's a canvas. The, yeah, it's, it's a like canvas a, litter, like a tarp. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, but it's got it's got pole inserts instead of a. Uh, Instead of just carry carry straps, it's okay. got pole inserts. So I but, mean, even with that, then um, if you know that you're going to be putting somebody on that stretcher, mm-hmm. even then, that don't you know that you're going to have to cover them up anyway? I mean, we don't yeah. know. And this is the problem that I think happens, Kelly, is we assume we know what we're going to run into when we go into a call. How many times have you gone to an abdominal pain call that's now been? cardiac arrest or a, a fall oh, yeah. that's now been cardiac arrest. Did you have all your equipment with you when you went into that call? Been you, burned that way before. Yes, and so I have. have I. And so have <laughs> I. But what does it take for that extra minute to make sure you have the blanket, to make sure you have the monitor, make sure you have the red bag, make sure you have the blue bag, whatever it is, to make sure that we have everything we need to be successful. I think that's where our oversight comes and that's why we get into these situations. Yeah, and yeah, I think that, that we simply uh, 
fail to recognize that that this is an event to the people watching and to the people involved. Uh, it's a big thing for us. I like it's a day that. that ends in Y. I like that. Yeah, you know, you're it's absolutely a day that right. ends in Y. Yeah. It's everything. It's that's every day. Um, the the and, lay person and doesn't often, know it's not a mer- an emergency. Exactly, we know and, it, but they don't. Yeah, and 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 we 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 too often forget that, and we, we too often uh, uh, that also plays a role in the compassion fatigue and the and the uh, and and burnout as well. Not uh, we forget how to show our patients compassion. It, it takes too much energy on our part to, or we think it takes too much energy, uh, and we don't have it to spare. But it also uh, is an element of the burnout that we feel sometimes because we what we feel. Uh, we feel that what we do doesn't matter, um, and we lose sight of the fact that we don't think we're doing something worthwhile to the patient or the family, but the patients and family don't feel like it. They have entirely different expectations of us than we do of ourselves. We'll work that code, and we think, man, that was a 35-year-old woman. We did CPR from the get-go. We pushed every drug. We got a tube. We got a. Uh, we got lines. We, we worked that call as best as it could be worked and she still died god we suck does anything we do really matter but that's not what the what the bystanders are looking at they're looking at how well and how compassionately you dealt with their family how hard you worked how much it 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 was apparent that you cared about the outcome they don't care how masterfully we wield a laryngoscope or whether we could get blood out of a rock at 80 miles an hour and move an ambulance they care that you stood out in the rain and held an uh, umbrella over grandmother when you loaded her or that you took the extra time to get pillows and blankets to make sure the ride was comfortable. They don't care how skilled you are. They care how nice you are. And we forget that, but that's what matters to patients. Getting their own time, being nice, and a smooth ride to the hospital. And and sometimes we, we forget the customer service aspect of what we do, but, but it's it's real and it's extremely important. But uh, it's it's a cautionary tale, and that you know sometimes the, the things that we don't think matter matter a great deal to the people watching and the people we're working on. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I mean, even as we talk about this story, I don't know that we're here to point fingers back at anybody. I'm going to say that our no. brothers and sisters up there in Minnesota did a great job. I've, they yeah, delivered, I've they delivered, to, yeah, they, they delivered yeah. great care, and they did what they had to do in a situation. And, and one of the, the things, <laughs> and one of the things that we have to be cognizant of is we need to use these as teaching moments for the rest of our career field. Similar to mm-hmm. that of one of the best practices that I would try to bring into my organization was anytime there was a mass casualty shooting, anytime there was a terrorist attack, anytime there was anything, I would gather my workforce and leadership team together and say. This just happened on the corner of this and this. How do we handle it? And, you know, give the information that they got in the pieces and we get the information that we get in the pieces. And and I think that those are the best practice because it's not the if, but it's the when it happens in your service area. As we talk about these topics that are in the news, we never want to be able to be seen that we're trying to point a finger at any other EMS department. But what we're trying to do is to say, how do we learn from this event so we don't end up in the news the next time? But, you know, that's what I think. And you've heard what I think. We'd like to hear what the rest of you guys think. So email us at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co-host Chris Civilero, two compassionate professional dudes. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.